Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adler Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adler Marcy, and today I am bringing you yet another badass interview because, you know, we like to serve them up and keep them going. So today's guest is my friend Katya Vabanova. She is the founder and owner of 20K Nation, as well as Perry 10K Nation, which I remember correctly back in the day. Uh, <laughs> she's done a crap ton of stuff with videos, bots, and basically digital space. She's really, really smart about how, like, she plans out all of her content and business. I'm actually one of her customers as well on top of that because she released a cool content. Wait, that was brilliant. With that being said, uh, Katya, welcome to the show. I'm so excited and let's bring it in. Hell Thank yeah. you for that intro. That was mm-hmm. very nice. Very I love uh, I love uh, how uh, I love how there's no like fancy intros or anything like that. Nah, I don't do those because like this show doesn't need them. I'll make fun of people. Like uh, if you ever listen to the show that I did with Matt Wolf and Joe Fear, I think I just ripped into Matt right away in the first five seconds of my show. Oh boy! I was like, this asshole's been. Tr- I've been trying to get this asshole on my show for four years. <laughs> And it's like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, it's four years oh, of And he was like, what the hell kind of intro was that? I was like, you're my friend now. Screw it. Um, but no, I was going to say real quick, though, just for people that don't know, um, when you and I actually spoke for a while, I think you or one of us added the other uh, through uh, someone else's profile. I think it was Scott's profile. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we never spoke because that's what you do as entrepreneurs. And then you moved to Malta because I remember mm-hmm. that. And then you and I were speaking, so I remember you messaging, I think you either emailed, put it on Facebook, or I PM'd you, basically we had a conversation, it was right after your breakup, mm-hmm. and I that's when that. we started talking, and then I was yes. like, hey, if you're ever in London, let me know, and then a while later, you were in London with Ellie Basco, and that's how I met you and Ellie. Yep. I remember when I was going through my breakup, and uh, I was put, I think I was sharing online how how bad I was feeling, and I think you came into my inbox, and you were just like, just so you know, I think you're wonderful, and I was like, oh, I want to cry, like, thank you, because oh. like, at the time, it was very difficult, so yes, I, I remember when, uh, I remember when you were um, very supportive of me back then, and forever grateful, so. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those really cool things that, like, if you get to, the way I look at it is if you can actually get to know people and help them, it's always yeah. true. Like, you know, it's it, the amount of people that have been there for me, it's a way to pay it forward as well as yeah. like, just being a good person. Um, so, yeah, it's it's scary, like, how you meet people. And then, of course, as time went on, you, I got, you and I got to talking, and I've seen your, your growth change from who you were to who you are and how you continually grow. I mean, you've already been in Australia... Canada, the States, I can't remember what other country this year. And oh boy, I, I've, been back on, home. I've been on uh, 19 flights over the last four months or so. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Um, yeah, I've been in a few different continents uh, for multiple different reasons, but it was all driven after the breakup. I just needed a new headspace and just to uh distance myself from my past and just start creating a new feature that's how it all started yeah usually tends to be the real the real thing as well just you know you gotta sometimes take time away mm-hmm. um and it's really interesting so many so few people actually look at breakups as healthy but they really are like they give you a chance yeah. to explore and become more than you are so i my first question really more than anything because i'm this is a question i've wanted to ask you for some time but we never got around to it whenever we mm. hung out it was this question around why video like mm-hmm. seriously why video of all avenues did you go down to actually craft your business because your first thing that i remember you buy 
is peritanchination, which is um, periscope for the people that don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the way that I started my business was on Periscope. I was one of these. Um, I was one of these very uh, consistent viewers of other people's streams, and I was obsessed with watching other people. And I thought to myself, surely, if I am watching other people, and if I am buying from other people from their Periscopes, surely there's going to be at least one crazy ass person that would do that from my scopes. And that's literally what was just driving me to just test this. Like I was just very, being very curious about how other people would uh, react to what I do. And at first, even though I was very scared to do it because I've never done it before, I remember that I had a friend of mine kick my ass and say, you just have to do it. And uh, I, by, by using Periscope at the time and live streaming, I literally quit my job in two, three months of starting. I had zero social media following. I had zero experience in video marketing um, in the way that I do it today. I, I had, I've never been on camera myself before that point. I used to do video editing since I was 16, so I always had experience in filmmaking. But being on camera, marketing yourself, that's a totally different story. Oh, yeah, so, sure. so uh, the reason why I'm such a big advocate is because I know what it did for me and I know what it did for my customers. Like the kind of growth that like most people can tell a story that they were able to build a movement in three months and quit their jobs and do it in a way that was safe and it wasn't risky at all. I replaced my banking income at the time because of Periscope, because of video, because of live streaming. And Perry 10K was at the time, which today is 20K Nation, Perry 10K at the time was a community of other people like me who were going on the same direction. And it was created out of the desire to not do this alone. I was very much about bringing people together to do it together because that's how I felt more comfortable about it. Like whenever I had cheerleaders, I actually felt more comfortable showing up. And Perry 10K was born out of that need of me to just connect and have a supporting community that was there for me no matter what was happening. So... I just really, I have seen what it does for me. I've seen, I have videos of mine that have generated almost a million views that have uh, gotten me in front of people that I would have never gotten in front of. I was interviewed a couple weeks ago. I was in San Diego, uh, interviewed by Kevin Harrington for his audience because the, the original Shark Tank, because somebody uh, who was following me for years and seen my videos connected me to him because he thought I'd be a really cool person to interview. And that was because of one of my videos. And I consistently get to this day, whenever I get 20K Nation members join the community, I see this all the time where they're like, I fell in love with you as a result of video you created and that's why I bought from you because this video really resonated with me. So for me, video is just another tool that is the most powerful tool from my experience uh, for me that has really helped me grow to where I am and I've just always believed in it as a result of that. That is incredible. I love it how little things like that really change the way that we do things. Mm -hmm. Uh, moving forward, like it is that whole idea of having a movement that you create. Mm -hmm. Now, you said something that was quite interesting, and that was like if you knew exactly how you did videos back then versus how you do videos today, what would be some of the biggest key points that you do differently? Because, like, what advice do you give people today to start mm -hmm. doing video better? 
My gosh. Uh, the biggest thing that I've started doing now that I never used to do is I used to spend so much time trying to guess what video content I should create. I used to spend forever creating good quality video pieces. I used to script stuff, took me a long time. I always used to be indecisive, like, oh, should I talk about to this person? Should I talk to this person? I was just so indecisive. Um, I was just so indecisive and so frustrated with how long it was taking. What I do today is I use, and you see me talk about it all the time, but I use Jungian psychology. A lot of people call it uh, personality typing science or using archetypes, whatever. And I use the science, the Carl Jung science, to craft my message based on who is most compatible to me as who I am. So instead of me ever wondering, oh, what am I going to create? I just go and study who my ideal clients are based on compatibility and I create content that speaks to them because that basically guarantees me that it would relate to somebody who's actually going to love what I do, not just going to relate to somebody. It's going to relate to somebody who is going to be obsessed with my work. So the biggest thing I never used to do is I never used to be, I mean, I used to have an avatar that was like, oh, my avatar makes this much money and they live in this country and they do this. But I never really looked into the power of targeting others based on their human nature. Uh, and that's what I've been doing for the last uh, year or two really, really seriously. And it's made all the difference in terms of time saving and in terms of getting the right people with what I do for me and my clients. That's pretty awesome. I mm -hmm. love that. Um, that is actually brilliant because it's one of the cool things that very few people even think about to that degree is how your avatar goes much deeper than just the base level stuff. I mean, for me, the, the biggest thing I have is going into psychographic uh -huh. data. So I love looking at the psychographic analysis for what my audience want. Mm -hmm. um, and something, though, something else, a different um, friend of the show, uh, he basically went ahead and actually spoke about it, which is um, uh, very good. I want to say Travis Houston, but I don't think it is. Mm -hmm. um, sorry if it is Travis Houston. It just turns out like, basically <laughs> got his name right. Like, oh, crap, shit, it's the wrong person. <laughs> um, yeah, it is Travis. What am I on about? God damn it. Sorry, dude. I, I love you, but yeah, I, I got confused. Anyway, he was telling me how his idea of how he reverse engineers his advertising is by actually interviewing his last 40 customers to find mm -hmm. out why they bought. And yeah. then all he does is just write, rewrites all his content and writes all his stuff, or at least his wife does, yeah. to fit towards that demographic that he wants as his audience. Yeah. Now, my curiosity is because, again, I've, I'm one of those people and you've seen it and you've heard me discuss it and I'm pretty sure you've thought about smacking me upside the head because of it. And that is, Adol, get more content out there. And I'm like, but I don't know what to write. Or I don't know what to do. Um, main reason because I, like, I have such a broad spectrum of what I can talk about. I, I just mm -hmm. don't know how far, how far to go down the rabbit hole. And when I do teach, I go straight to the conversation rather than give the story behind it. So for people like me, my question really relies upon how would you actually start finding what content to speak about if you haven't already got like, if you've got a broad spectrum, but you haven't done the demographic data or the psychographic data or the union data, the archetypal data, if you haven't done any of that, how do you start and begin and what is your process? Because obviously there's research to begin with, but what's your process for that? 
So my process involves zero external market research. Uh, it doesn't need any data whatsoever. All it needs is you understanding who you are, because based on who you are, there are personality types that are automatically the best for you. Like if you know what you are, that dictates who your ideal clients are. Um, you don't, you don't have to go out and try working with a hundred people to know which ones are actually going to, you are going to enjoy the most scientifically Adil, we are imperfect human beings. None of us is perfect. And the reason we are imperfect is because we are meant to fit with other humans, like puzzle pieces to solve problems in the world. Let me repeat this. No, nobody's perfect because everybody has imperfections that are meant to come together with other people's perfections and imperfections so that they can come together as a puzzle piece and solve problems in the world. So naturally you have two or three types. I, I go for two, typically the top two types that are most compatible to you on a psychological human nature level and you and those people complete each other on such a psychological level that if you got together you would be unstoppable like you could literally change the world so i start by understanding who i am i know i'm an enfp uh another example of famous enfps are gary v tony robbins uh ty lopez dave asprey because you know i'm on that too um but hey, i'm gonna throw that in there if i'm actually on that list i'm just gonna go with it <laughs> right right uh but those knowing that about myself i know that the most compatible people for me are the nfjs infjs and enfps are the number one matches for me that i fill their blind spots they're the type of people that are always feeling worthless about themselves and they're the ones that have the tendency to become the most door the biggest doormats of all because they're overgiving and the way i balance them is i am more on the selfish side where i would never over deliver i would always put my comfort and my security over being a doormat so somebody like me who values themselves comes in really nicely with an nfj who doesn't value themselves and they put other people on a pedestal we come together they balance me so that i can be more charitable and i balance them so that they can be be less doormats does that make sense we fit together like a puzzle piece um and because of that i just market to those people now that doesn't mean that i only work with those people that's not necessarily what it means it just means that whenever i create my content so someone like you it's like i don't know what content i should create well I look at the profile of my most compatible clients and I look at their biggest insecurities. For example, biggest insecurity of an ENFJ is they always worry that they're stupid and they always question their own thoughts. They're like, oh my God, I feel really stupid. I feel like, what if this is not a good idea? I need somebody externally to validate my idea. Otherwise, I can't launch it. It has to be perfect. Otherwise, I can't launch it. So somebody like me comes in place to that person and I can see their idea. I can make it better because I'm a visionary and then they can go out confidently and sell that thing or offer that thing or launch that podcast or launch that book or whatever it is. And I fill their gaps that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would just go on and create content around, Hey, are you feeling like 
Are you feeling like perfectionist is holding you back? Are you feeling constantly like you're stupid and that's why you're not launching things? I literally create content based on who I want to attract. I want to attract more NFJs. I base my content around NFJs biggest fears, NFJs biggest insecurities, NFJs biggest desires, NFJs biggest whatever. Right. Okay. So I'm going to ask you as a perspective, because again, mm -hmm. you already told how an FP would actually market to an ENFJ or mm -hmm. FMJ. Um, my question is, uh, how would you reverse that? So you have ENFJ basically marketing to ENFPs. How would yep. that advertising go? So an ENFP's biggest uh, insecurity fears is they're always worried about their future and they're really, really uh, needing to have the security and stability. So an ENFJ would create content around predictability, building a future-proof business, building a business. I'll give you an example. I was on a call with one of my clients earlier, and she uh, she is uh, an ENTP who has the same insecurity as me. And the way she overcame her insecurity was by uh, she's built a house uh, that if she she now has two houses, she's bought two houses, and if she ever lost her business, uh, she just moves into one of the houses rents the other one out and she have income for the rest of her life and she's set for life financially so somebody like me wants that kind of security okay. so an ENFJ can come out and say have you always have you always wanted to create the kind of income possibly that can set you up for life for the rest of your life sorry about that guys and um, that was a weird thing that happened <laughs> but no, that that's actually very, very powerful because that actually yeah. works a lot better with the marketing and advertising. So mm -hmm. if you're trying to hit both sides of the market where you're actually trying to market to both those types of groups because you can market to your own personality and to this opposite yes. um, or to its wing rather. You totally could. If you wanted to market to both, all you talk about is uh, helping other people, improving other people because NFs in general are the ones that are really people-focused, not so much uh, process or systems-focused. They're more about uh, they're more about improving humanity. So anything in your content that talks about improving humanity, bringing more kindness, bringing more compassion, spirituality, all of that, only NFs. That's going to attract all the NFs in the world that you like. And that's really powerful for when you're crafting advertising. And that's really what I do. If you think about it, I don't create videos. I create video ads, video pieces that can be used in a way to attract certain people that you want and those people happen to be in one of those categories typically but typically i get to attract all the nfs uh, most of the time nfjs nfps those are the ones that buy from me the most um so pretty cool yeah i, I love how that basically all comes about especially with how those mindsets work and how they change now my curiosity really kind of like delves down into the whole idea that you actually created a 365 day um, content promo, a promo guide mm -hmm. more than anything. Yes. And, I, and I love that because as soon as I saw it, I bought it. So I like, yes, oh, I remember. That was in December when I was in Australia. Yeah, I still found it really funny that you messaged me after going, did you just buy my guide? I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's just that moment of like, huh? Um, which it was fun because usually like whenever I buy anything from, even from my friends, like you never really get a message from them that's like, cool edible it's just like a, a silent nod between friends but when someone reaches out to me i'm like huh that's different i like that 
Yeah. So, yeah, because I was like, because I, because I respect your work and I, I, and I like what you do, and I was just very happy. I was like, wow, Adil Bod, he supports and he's gonna use this, yay! So I was I just very use, happy. I've been actually using it more with my brand stuff because, like, uh, combining it with what I've been doing with my, uh, with a friend of mine, uh, Fanny, who's been helping with my brand identity. So, mm -hmm. like, combining everything together because the new website all went live, and it's the first time I've looked at my website and actually loved it. So, uh, so when you when you have that moment, you're like, yeah, my website represents me. Good. Um, so Good. my question really kind of fell into this whole idea of how did you quickly craft such a quick product like that? Because you were in Australia um, <laughs> so quickly, and I love this because it, so to give everyone else perspective on this. Oh my god. Uh, Katya was at my house about a month before she went to Australia. Yeah. Like, give it, it was within a month. It was only a couple of weeks before you went. Because um, remember we yes. sat down with Ellie. You flew out and literally two weeks of being in Australia, I see you promoting this thing and I get it. I'm like, cool. And you like went on a tear because it wasn't super expensive. I think you guys pulled away with a with a decent five figure income off of that just on the front. End. We, we it was a thirty dollar offer and we uh pulled twenty five thousand dollars worth of that. Exactly. <laughs> so it was crazy. You know, this was a, it was a six hour thing. It took us six hours from an idea to collecting our first payment. Um, we literally was sat on Kat's table in Australia. Um, and, uh, she just said, um, you know, if, if we created something that's 30 bucks and it was like prompts for, for, for my audience, uh, I think people would really buy it. And then I said, yeah, but if we also did it very video focused, that will be for my audience too. So we came up with the idea of uh, 365 prompts. Uh, and then we looked at the, we, we were like, how are we going to call this? Irresistible content, content 365. And then I found 365prompts.com. We bought it within like literally two hours and we got so excited. Um, we basically, I have a few scripts that I use for uh, priming my audience for things I mean you know you you know how I do things and how I get people to tell me what they want um, and uh, I primed about a hundred a hundred people on my wall and Kat primed about a hundred people on her wall to say yes and then we uh, literally what we did is we just offered it for thirty dollars and we gave a deadline okay after that deadline is going up to ninety nine dollars so this is your chance to buy for thirty and we pulled five thousand dollars of thirty dollars uh, in the first 24 hours we pulled uh over 10,000 in four days and then uh by the end of the whole promo which was maybe about 10 days we pulled $25,000 uh in uh uh sales and 600 new customers 600 new paying customers on our list it was insane um I've never felt more um I've never had that many customers in 10 days. Let's just say that. <laughs> I've never done 600 customers in 10 days. It was awesome. And uh, Kat was uh, the perfect person to do it with. I love that woman to bits, Kat Abianek. Uh She's in Brisbane and she she does amazing stuff with uh, viral social content. Um, you know, and uh, she and she and I just had a blast. We didn't, Adil, we run no ads. We did no videos. We literally just sat on the couch and literally just laughed our asses off. And we just like, it was crazy. It was crazy. It, it sounds, and I don't want to oversimplify this, but that was very simple because you guys took yes. what you already did and knew, 
went to your existing existing yeah. audience on Facebook and just asked, and yes, you you gave the market what they wanted, and it's mm -hmm. so so humorous to me. How many people don't do that? They don't listen to what their market wants. They go, yep. I'm going to try and convince my yeah. market. I'm like, just give them what they want. And let's be honest, it was a very timely purchase. We sold this right around Christmas. So it was a very good positioning of, hey, New Year's coming. Here's three, six, uh, you know, if this year you didn't post enough content, next year that can be different. Here's 365 prompts for you uh, to uh, to do this. Just go to 365prompts.com. It was like, it was it was this joke. We would just be making these songs about 365prompts.com and people would just be laughing and, and then and what we did oh my god we got one of our friends to, one of our friends bought it uh and he has like a hundred thousand people in his facebook group so people know him very well so i leveraged that and i just posted and said to everyone yo if arnie's buying this you all should buy it and then and then he said with a joke he said oh i should get a cut from everyone that buy this and i'm like really sure here's an affiliate link for you for the next 24 hours everybody that buys from this link that I just created for Arnie that he doesn't even know about I'm gonna send Arnie 50% of the sales and I got 11 people to buy from that link from him like from that link and I send him 150 bucks I remember and he was like wow that was the easiest money I've never made that I that I've made that I never even got involved in I just got dragged into <laughs> it was hilarious um so we were just so creative with different ways to make money we were just leveraging everything we could think of and uh uh, it wasn't about the money. It was just so much fun. We were just like, oh, yeah, no, how no. many can we, how many people can we pull off here? And when we started getting buyers like uh, Molly Mahoney, and she did an affiliate promotion for us, and uh, and all these big hitters, I think I think all these guys they bought because they were like, wow, whatever Kat is doing right now is awesome. I just I just I just gotta give her props and just give her some money for what she's doing. Whenever we started getting that, that's when I know we we were creating something very cool yeah i mean it's gone on and constantly moving forward not honestly i hope you guys offer it again soon mm -hmm. um like mid-year because just so many people could actually use with it or use help with it that's true yeah. that's probably true yeah it's, it's something that's evergreen in its own right now kind of jumping off of that where i really want to dive deep in very quickly at least um to some degree is kind of the idea of how you guys created the deliverables because I know you guys asked. You said you said you just said yourself. You yeah. love priming your audience right before you yeah. offer them something. So mm -hmm. for the people who don't know about you and don't really follow you right now on social media, how do you prime your audience? So I've been working over the last four years really, really hard to build a, a, a decent following. So I have people that have been following me since 2015, and you know they all know me for one thing. They know me for good video marketing content, and I've always stuck to the thing. I think the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to selling and priming all of this is that they try to sell things all over the place. Like, oh, one day I'll sell chatbots, one day I'll sell Facebook ads, one day I'll sell YouTube ads. And they confuse their audience so much. Uh, but over the last four years, I've stayed consistent with what I talk about. I'm the video gal, I'm the live stream gal. Uh, and I've stayed consistent with that. So part of priming is uh, that I get to just bring out what I 
what I've always talked about, but I bring it in a way that's timely. So what I do is I create a post. Uh, it's a very simple. It's a very simple formula actually that I use. Uh, I'll even I can even open it here and just read it to you word for word. But all I do, where is it? I have I have my little scripts, Adil. I, mm -hmm. I I have my little scripts that I figure I, I create them on the fly and then they work and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna save that for the future because apparently it worked. So it's called pre-selling your product script. And here's what it is. Um my philosophy is this. If you show your concept, idea, product to 20 people who you consider are ideal clients and not a single one of them buys it, then they don't want it. So I do market research and survey all I want, but ultimately the best way to taste is if if the course is viable is to sell it, right? So uh, this is how I pre-sell. I have a rule that I don't create unless I pre-sell like X amount of courses. Like for, for this, for the 365 prompts, we just wanted to sell at least like 50. We saw like that, I think, in the first day. So we were like, okay, we definitely creating this. Um, but basically, here's what I do. Uh, number one, I announced that it is available pre-sale. Number two, I give it at a special discount and I say the price is going to go up. And number three, I give it limited time. So um, here's what I do. Step one is uh, I basically don't stress much about it being perfect as long as I'm upfront and honest about the fact that it's brand new and it's a beta version I'm giving people a discount like I first you have to be okay with doing this because a lot of people are like oh I'm scared of selling this before I've created it so that's the first thing I'm okay with doing that then uh, the next thing is I craft a short and sweet pitch and here's an example and structure for you that I have here that I created. I'll just read it out for you. But this is an example script for selling a Facebook ads course. So if you're a Facebook ads marketer, this is a, this is how I'd sell a Facebook ads course. It would say something like this. Hey, guys, for those of you who've tried Facebook ads and thrown money down the toilet and frustrated that you can't generate automated leads, I'm thinking of doing something special for you. If I created a simple course called the Casanova Effect, the ultimate training to generate leads and fill up your funnels with Facebook video ads, which teaches you how to create video funnels to generate leads and sales on autopilot 24-7, how to create viral marketing campaigns that gets us hundreds of thousands of views per video, and how to run and analyze your Facebook ads effectively so you don't waste money but only spend what's necessary. Would you want it? It's currently on pre-sale for 247, but as soon as we've completed it and collected the case studies, we'll charge 997. Just say yes below and I'll message you and send you the deets. The de the offer is limited for 24 for 48 hours only. That's it. That's literally my pitch. I call out their problem that that I know they have. I tell them if I create a course that solves this problem, do you want it? And then I give them a list of the things that is included in a course. I give them a deadline. I give them an offer. And then I just see if they bite. If they bite, I then decide to create it. If they don't bite, I don't create it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah. That basically eliminates the whole idea of creating the asset first. It's kind of the whole thing yeah. when I tell people write mm -hmm. the copy right before you do anything that's like the first thing send traffic and make sure that there's traction if mm -hmm. there is build the damn thing if there isn't yes you're just wasting time i i've never I, i've never sold i've never 
created stuff in advance before I sold it. I always sold it first. Um, I think a, a mentor of mine, maybe maybe it was Todd Herman, who told me to do this back in 2016. But I just listened to him. He, he was like, don't create anything. Just pre-sell it. If, if the people buy it, then create it. And I was like, okay, I'll do that from now on. Thanks. <laughs> and that's what I literally started doing. I literally just, I've never... And, you know, the 365proms.com, we started creating the actual deliverables um, in a day six of the promo. So we promoted for six days. We got about $10,000 in sales. And then we started creating it. Yeah. I can totally imagine that. I think you guys did because I was there going, huh, this doesn't come out till the new year. And I'll just <laughs> Yep, we were like, yeah, this is going to be launched because we started promoting it around the 23rd of December and we said we we're going to drop it on January 1st. So that's what we did. Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So, okay, one of my questions because we're coming up to this point in the show, one of my favorite questions I love to ask um, all, my, all my interviewees and my guests is this question. There is a caveat before we jump into it. What would be 10 books that you recommend people read and the split is seven percent, uh, seven of them. So seventy percent of them have to be nonfiction. Okay. Thirty percent of them can either be fictional or movies. Okay. So yeah. Perfect. Okay, I got books for you. Uh, especially if you're an ENFP, this is what you do. So the first book I recommend is Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Uh, it teaches you how to, as an ENFP especially, how to be more giving. ENFPs have the tendency to be more selfish. So it teaches you how to give uh, in order to actually get what you want. It's, it teaches you how to be a more charitable human being and how to uh, and how to build relationships with people the right way and not in like the selfish way. So that's one. Um, book number two, I uh, have been reading um, some psychology books recently. So um, I've been uh, reading some uh, Jungian books. There's a, there's a book called Socionics, which is uh, which explains some of the archetypes in a way as well. Uh, so Socionics, uh, uh, I am reading this right now. A few other books I'm reading. I, I I don't know about you, but I'm one of these people that always have 50 books going on at the same at time. The same time yep. I'm currently, yep. I've got like four audio books open right now. But I'm like, I should really think. That's so funny. Too. That's so funny. Yeah, I'm literally just opening my Kindle now as well because I was just like, I've read so, I've been reading so many. Which ones am I reading right now? So that's literally what I'm doing right now for you, Adil. Okay, uh, another one for all ENFJs that I read last year, my mentor recommended to me, Codependent No More by Melody Beattie. This one is very, very, if, if you've ever been, if you've ever felt like you've been a doormat in your life and you want to get your shit together with relationships, uh, Codependent No More is a really, really good book. Uh, big Magic, uh, I've been reading that lately because it's all about extroverted intuition. If you're an NFP, INFP, that book is going to change your life. Seriously, it is, it is about you. That book is literally about you. Big Magic. Only and uh, if you're an ENTJ or an INTJ, you're gonna be like, that's the most stupid book ever because you just don't understand metaphysical awareness. But that's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, then another one that I have here is um, I've been reading some stuff like No More Than Mr. Nice Guy because even though it's for guys, I've had the tendency in the past to be this like 
nice person that's trying to be nice, but it's trying to do it in a way that's like, it's clearly for selfish purposes, you know? So it's re it's a really good book that helps you to, um, um, get that nice guy syndrome out of you and actually be genuine and actually have the self-worth to, to do that. Uh, the 50th law by Robert Greene, especially if you have, if you have fears in your life, like it's all about being fearless and, I strongly recommend it, especially if you're an INFJ. I shall say that. Um, another thing that I've been reading is, uh, let's see. Oh, I've been doing a lot of books about comedy. So the comic toolbox uh, or how to write funny are like books that I've been reading on how to write jokes and stuff like that. Uh, George Carlin, uh, uh, biography. I love George Carlin very much. So. Mm-hmm. I agree. I absolutely agree. And also, I also like, uh, oh, there was this book that is kind of fiction. Uh, it's not, it wasn't fiction. Mm. It was a, more of a story. It wasn't like a how-to book. It was more of a story book uh, called uh, Dying to Be Me by Anita Morjani. And it was a book about somebody who was going through cancer and how they actually survived cancer. And for her... Her story was all about the fact that it was her mindset causing the cancer in the first place and her negativity and how by healing her mindset, she was able to hear her cancer. So that was a nice story to read. And then for movies, I have two movies. One, The a Lion. I don't know if you've watched it. Yep. Lion, the movie. I've, I cried so much at that movie. Oh, my God. I'm like, ah. such a good lesson on family and on what really matters and love and things like that. And then finally, I recommend uh, for any comedy lovers, I have this show that it's not famous at all, but I love it. It's called The War at Home. It's so hilarious. It's about a Jewish family that is like, just hilarious they have teenage kids and it's like uh the dad is like a really rude racist like it's like it's like really really hilarious movie that i think got shut down because it was very controversial so uh, like the show is a great lesson on humanity uh but it's also a great satire to show how actually the world uh, has been for many years and i think you watch it and you think to yourself gosh i i never want to be such a rude douchebaggery person like this one i want to be a good person but you can still laugh at it because it's so common to see people like that so i like that show so there you go that's pretty cool um, see, I recommend, uh, have you seen, uh, I'm assuming you have seen this, but you've seen Big Mouth, right? Big Mouth? No. Oh man, you gotta watch Big Mouth on, uh, it, it's a show, it's an animated show, but it's, it's not for everyone. The humor is very crude, but it's very relatable in the sense that if you remember back to when you were a teenager and you have those vivid memories of you as a teenager, you can laugh so hard at this, it's incredible. I'm going to put it on my uh, to-do list. Thank you. It's on Netflix, right? It's on Netflix. Oh, Hilarious. It's just brilliant. It's uh, For me, I've asked, as I've gone old, I've realized I prefer animated humor than real-life humor. Yes. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So you found a Family Guy in South Park and stuff like that? I love Family Guy, though I haven't seen it for a while. South Park, yes. The shows that I'm really into are more like Archer, um, Rick and Morty, just stuff like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Really, really got into Final Space lately. That was kind of a weird one for me. I was like, oh, I didn't think I'd ever enjoy this, but I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. 
Um, Gosh, I try to stay away from shows. I get, I can get so addicted. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to watch anything. So I try to, I try to read more books than I watch shows. Trust me. That's the reason why. Uh, that's the joy of being a copywriter. I get to do both, and then I yeah. just get to sit there with a notepad and take notes on it. It's like, are you watching yeah. the show for the fifteenth time? You yes, know, what are you doing? I, I just realized another emotional thing. You know, I'm like that too, where I would not watch a movie unless there's like something valuable for me. So like I watched the Fire Festival Netflix uh, a documentary about the, the whole big shebang with that festival and how it was a, a big mess. It was very useful for business. There was some good business lessons there. So that's why I watched it because it was useful. So Yeah. It's actually really, really simple. It's, very, it's not simple. It's a really great show. Yeah. And the marketing strategy behind it was actually quite simple. It was like, pay people and get them to do this. It's like, no. Uh, so it's always incredible. Now, one of my other favorite questions I have on this show, particularly, I think you'll be able to really answer this, just simply because I know, even though you've been on a trajectory that's always been on the up, which I respect like crazy, I there's, there's always bound to be downs. So my question here is, if you've ever experienced a moment that's knocked you clean on your ass, like knocked you straight down, you're like, wow, I don't know if I can get back up from this. Mm -hmm. um, what did you do to go from that moment to like come back stronger? Because that's what everyone mm -hmm. does, we come back stronger. What was it that you yeah. did? I remember it. It was February 2017. I was in Malta hunting for apartments because I was celebrating like a $100,000 launch in 2016. I was like, yay, I just sold like all these things and I made lots of money and I'm going to move to Malta. And as I was look, and I was at the apartment in Malta, my card got declined and I found out that my company got dissolved because I forgot to submit my, uh, uh, for those of you in the UK, you will no, uh, my uh, annual, um, it was return. called, no, 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 it wasn't a tax return. It was the stupid thing in September that, that you sent the annual statement, the one that you just verify your address. What was it called? Oh, God. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, if yeah, you don't send it, they dissolve the company. It's, they dissolve your company if you don't submit that because it's a criminal record to not confirm your address, apparently. So, yeah, I didn't know that. And then I forgot about it. And uh, they literally shut my company down one day. And I had all my money frozen. There was about $50,000 in my account at the time. Um, and I remember calling my ex at the time and crying so much. I was like, oh, my God, I've lost my business. I worked so hard. We're moving to Malta. How are we going to pay for this? Like, it was a, just a total state of panic. Like, imagine having all your money just frozen. Like, you, you couldn't touch it. And your company's gone. And I have recurring customers because 20K Nation is all members that pay me every single month. And I can't even receive my money because everything's frozen. It was a shit show. It was absolute shit show. And I remember, this is how I recovered, funny enough. It took me about 20 minutes to recover. Uh, at first, it was a state of panic. It was a state of, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then I spoke to my finance manager and uh, it hit me. Hey, Katya, if you were able in December to generate more in a month than you generated in a year in your banking job before, don't worry, you do that again. And I said that to my uh, finance manager. She was like, wow, you're so wise, but you're right. It's going to be okay. So I got back into that 
kind of mindset and I, uh, because I was in a more positive state, I actually had, I was in a mental state to actually find somebody who can help me. And I actually found my uh, current accountant that I have and she helped me to, funny enough, recover the money because uh, apparently uh, if they dissolve your company, you have like uh, 30 days or something to claim it back. So she helped me recover all my money back. Um, it was a very doozy. And in that moment, I didn't know I was, rec- I-, I thought I lost it all. And I was just like, you freak out. Cause like, obviously I, it's like 35 grand gone. You're like, shit. I was just like, nope. Like, I was just like, all my money, uh, all the cash that I had in that account was gone. And I was just like, shit, I have to start everything from scratch. And here's another thing that actually helped me. Oh, this is a big one. I do. I realized that as long as you have an audience, a following, of people that love you and buy from you for who you are. No matter what you sell, they'll always buy. So I realized that because at that time I was in business for two and a half years, I realized that it doesn't matter what happens to this business. I have tens of thousands of followers, tens of thousands of loyal people who've been following me since 2015 I'll tell the story of what's happening and I will survive with them because they will all buy to support me. And that was probably the biggest like, oh, I don't have to worry. I literally didn't have to worry. So, yeah. uh, And since that moment, I, I no longer worry so much about losing everything. I really don't because I know that like, and even though my business is way bigger now than it was back then, and there's way more risks than there were back then. I also know that if I can get to where I am now, I can I can get it back to where it is now again and probably even faster. Think about it. Every single person who's ever had a six-figure business and maybe took them five years to get a six-figure business, the second business they start takes them six months to do it. Ain't not funny. Yeah. It's just once you know how to do it, you can speed yeah, through it. Exactly. So that's the thing I now know that no matter if I lose my business or not I will be okay and uh, uh, I also get the privilege of being an ENFP and being the number one salesperson on the planet so it's like oh what what's the worst case scenario that happens wow I'm just gonna be like an affiliate for other people's stuff that I believe in like wow I'll still like I made over a hundred thousand dollars uh in affiliate commission one year just think affiliate commission I'm like wow worst case scenario I sell other people's stuff and I live off a hundred thousand dollars a year like how painful is that seriously exactly so it's all good and well to have like all those backups and to make sure that you nurture your list and that all comes back down to knowing who you're speaking to so, Katya, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, and, guys, I would heavily encourage you to go check out 20K Nation. That's 20K Nation. So, not spelling it out, but actually numerically, 20knation.com. And if Katya ever releases the 365 prompts again, which she showed, she totally should, <laughs> I recommend you guys go pick it up because I'm a huge fan of them. Like, I've, um, the way that I've done them instead of uh, just using them for Facebook, this is a fun little idea. I actually use them in video, so I'm currently setting up my home studio. That's uh, amazing. And what I do is I take some of the some of the stuff that's there, combine it with what I already know my audience wants, tweak it a little bit, and now I've got like a video script. Because one of the bonuses I think you still get is your Facebook Live blueprint. Like oh yeah, I have a I have a live video checklist that you get, yes, and that gives you a structure on how to sell on your stream. So yep. 
Exactly. So that's all there as well. And I basically use that for my for my YouTube videos. Okay. I'm so happy. So yeah, don't worry, your, your stuff gets used. Um, but guys, go check out Katya's uh, website and follow her on uh, every bit of social media, which is Katya Vabanova um, or 20K Nation as well. And, uh, you know, just basically follow her and you'll basically see huge amounts of improvements in your engagement um, as well as the way that you do business. It's a lot more fun. And thanks again for being here and sharing so openly. No, thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, guys, uh, go live, do videos, be happy, and uh, only do business with people you love. That's what I think. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, it was a blast. And uh, thank you for getting me to root through my Kindle. I realize that I have so many books I haven't finished. <laughs> oh, I love that. Right, guys, it's okay. We'll see, we'll see you on another episode. Take care. Um, and as always, please rate, review, share and of course subscribe to the show i appreciate all of that and reach out to katya in, in case you want to follow her because she's absolutely amazing at what she does and her content is brilliant all right guys take care and i'll see you next week